It's weird. Very weird. Fucking weird. Here we go again. I'm so mad that I don't know what to do. Look, it's your fault for doing your mic check while I'm sitting here. If you would do your mic check before we get on the Zoom call, then I wouldn't have to taunt you. Fighting with microphones, freezing down to my bones. And to top it off, I'm with you. Okay, that's fair. Just so our listeners know, I am sipping wine during this recording. Uh, yeah, He is, in fact. So, you know, when I go to Disneyland California, there's a fairly even distribution of fandoms. There are princesses, there are Pixar fans, there are uh, Star Wars fans, Marvel fans, etc. Disneyland Paris, mm-hmm. it's fifty. it was like 45% Star Wars fans, 45% Marvel fans, and then everybody else. It was like overwhelming. <laughs> and specifically with the Star Wars fans, a lot of women cosplayed... As a specific uh, species, guess which one, Steph? A specific species? Yeah, in Star Wars. Twi'leks? 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 Yes, mm-hmm. Twi'leks. Nice, nice. They they just put up the uh, Ahsoka posters there, and Ahsoka oh. is kind of in the background, and Hera is up on the forefront. <laughs> is it because Twi'leks are French? Yep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that, too. I love that, too. That's fantastic. Look, everybody deserves representation. Even if that representation originally came from a really dumb place, George Lucas. It, it came, but you know what? The French embraced it, and they're like, yes, we know it is sexist, but we don't care because we are sexy. Uh, this is all true uh so quick reminder to our listeners chris is in fact in france right now um so we he he is in gay paris uh for pride um and so right now uh just to give some perspective going forward in this recording uh it is almost 7 a.m for me Mm -hmm. i've had a cup of coffee it is when chris like uh, three in the afternoon for you? Uh, 1,500 hours, yeah. 1,500 hours. You hear this Eurotrash fucking timekeeping? Because they don't do the AM, PM thing in... Do uh, they call it military time there like we do, or do they have another word for it? Yeah, they just call it time. <laughs> <laughs> we do not do your stupid American repeat number thing. Okay, sure. <clears throat> I mean, it's fair. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it's the afternoon, and he is, in fact, drinking wine uh, as we record. So. After... after uh, drinking three espressos, which if you if you're not familiar with the difference between espresso in the United States and espresso um, everywhere else, uh, espresso is a lot more delicious and a lot more stimulating than it really should be. So uh, listen in real time as Chris descends into wine drunk euro trash over the course of this recording. Descends. So- <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Ascends from where you usually reside. There we yeah, go. It's an up. There we go. It's an upgrade. Anyway, um, so hey, do you want to like uh, intro showers? I'm ready. Wanna... Cool, 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 cool. Okay. <clears throat> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dark Side Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Star Wars. My name is Stephanie. I'm the woman half of the show, and I'm not, I'm not in France. That's true. Hey, everybody. I am Chris, and I am that homo grand inquisitor disappointing his master sexual. <laughs> and and Stephanie, uh, someone want to explain to me why we're extra popular tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hera. 
I think it's a valid question. It's always a valid question when it comes to the the crew, the ghost crew. It's like, what the fuck did you do now? Who did it this time? Who's was it? Was it all of you? Was it one of you? What happened? Like chopper? Obviously, obviously, we always deserve it. But I would like to know exactly what did it this time. Right. Um, Which is legit. Okay. So, um, do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into? I have a thing. I have a thing. But let's do your thing first. Okay. So we got, we finally have a date for Ahsoka. Yeah, that's out. what I actually want to talk about. Was that about. your thing too? <laughs> okay. So the Ahsoka show starts on August 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um, they released another little a little teaser uh, for it. And I couldn't help but notice, I don't know if you noticed, Chris, I noticed uh, that this new teaser, with the exception of the back of Thrawn's head, was entirely women. No way. Yeah, it was Ahsoka, it was Sabine, uh, it was uh, Hera, it was girl whose name I haven't learned yet, but she's clearly a baddie. I uh, just And it's just, mm, you know, women, femmes in general, anybody who's not a fucking cishet white man, uh, just being being the faces of a new Star Wars project, just... Just butters all my biscuits. I fucking love it. And I said this on Twitter, and I'm going to say it here. For everyone out there who thinks I'm an insufferable feminist, buckle the fuck up. Because when this show comes out, you ain't seen insufferable yet. Oh my God. Duh. I will be unstoppable. I will be a menace. I will be in your area, in your ear holes, all about all this feminine power pouring out of the Star Wars universe, uh, out of the screen, into our eyes and ears. Uh, and I, I have, I'm not even sorry. I'm not even sorry, not sorry. I have no apologies to make. I can't fucking wait. So on that note, uh, <laughs> I, I have, uh, I agree, first of all. Uh, second of mm-hmm. all, um, I've been begging my partner uh, my prime partner to please fucking watch Rebels, because um, I told him is he not watching along with us? Well, he has it. Uh, he has been actually, but I, okay. I, August twenty third is not. Oh, like, that's true. It's true. He, he's going to need to start watching on his own to get there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, honey, you're going to have to watch the show if you're going to get all the context. And he's like, well, I think, I mean, surely they're going to make the show, uh, um. In such a way where I'm not going to have to watch Rebels. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to get all the nuance. Like, Okay, but... Okay, so there's there's two things on this, all right? Yeah. On the, on the one hand, yes, he should watch it. If only so he's not making you pause it every five minutes to explain something. Right. In the show, in Ahsoka. But on the other hand, it might be cool to keep him sort of in the dark. So that you can get a look at what this show is like for people who haven't watched Rebels. <laughs> For people who haven't watched Clone Wars, for people whose only prior experience with Ahsoka, I mean, he's watched Clone Wars, but there are people who are going to go into the show whose only prior experience with Ahsoka is the Mandalorian. Sure. Um, and, and that's really, I, I'm interested I don't, in that perspective. I don't, but I don't want to pause the show every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of your sanity. Okay. Then uh, I will just talk to my mom because she hasn't watched any of the Star Wars animation, obviously, but she's watched all of the Mandalorian. Uh, so, um, I'm going to get her to watch Ahsoka and I'll talk to her. I mean, honestly, I'll just listen, I'll just listen to the first step show. Uh, if I want to get the perspective of, oh, no, they, no, they've watched, uh, Clone Wars and never mind. Is there like a reverse? They're they're going through Rebels now. Yeah. Is there like a reverse first steps where they start at sequel trilogy and go back? (laughs) 
<laughs> I have no idea. I really think uh, it's the boomer generation that really has has that perspective. So if you can stand to talk to a boomer, if you happen to be like related to one, like mm-hmm. I am, um, they've only seen the movies. And some right. of them have only seen the original trilogy. And they're like just coming back to Star Wars because of the TV shows. Because yeah. of the Mandalorian, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I when I saw that scene of Sabine with the lightsaber, I was like, mm. my fucking oh, God. Yeah. Y'all, he blew up our chat with just all the all caps. <laughs> I was like, like screaming. Ah! She's wearing orange. It's like, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I, I just. Is that Ezra's lightsaber? I think that's Ezra's lightsaber. Ah, of course it's Ezra's lightsaber. Who else's lightsaber would that be? Want to be like Palpatine but right it doesn't now. Where is Ezra Bridger? <laughs> but it doesn't look like Ezra's lightsaber. So I guess we'll just. And look, the internet is full of people discussing and dissecting every tiny little detail of all the pictures. I don't, I don't need to do that. I see, I see women on women on women on women, not on women. You know what I mean? Just I mean, nothing that, but. I'm, I'm done with that too. But nothing but feminine energy coming out of all the promotion for this show. And, um, I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here specifically for that. I love all Star Wars. I, I recently said because I just recorded a, an episode with Gold Squadron Gaze uh, for their finale for The Mandalorian Season 3. Ugh. Um, and I had to say it on the – I know. I had to say it. By the way, that ugh is for Gold Squadron Gaze, not for Mandalorian. Correct. Right? Okay. Um, <laughs> of course. But we actually love them, so don't fucking listen to Chris. But uh, I had to say it on their show, and I'll say it again here. I love all Star Wars the same way I love all pizza. All pizza is delicious. All Star Wars is delicious. It's just a matter of what quality. Like, is it delicious because it's gourmet? Is it delicious because it's a wonderful deep dish, multi-layer Detroit-style situation? Or is it wonderful because it's a Totino's party pizza that you're eating in your underwear in the kitchen at 2 a.m.? Either way, still fucking tasty. We're going to fight when we get to Mandalorian season three, aren't we? <laughs> we are. I'm just saying the pepperoni on some of Mandalorian season three is cube shaped and tiny. <laughs> Still good. I'm just saying, I don't care. I'm, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a few years when we get there. Uh, when, and we get, lo- when we get there. And I'm certainly looking forward to listening to you on Gold Squadron Gaze. I've been listening to their Mandalorian season three coverage and... Um, Anyway, we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> Actually, all, right, been, all right, all right, all right. It's been, uh, you know, difference of opinion, agree to disagree. It's still very insightful, still very fun. And I've actually, yeah. they've actually had uh, some other guests uh, have, uh, they've had people from First Steps, which are awesome, uh, and from my other podcast, For Light and Dice, which is a tabletop role-playing game right. inspired by the High Republic. Did you listen to the episode with Colton on it? Oh, yeah. They're such a delight. Like, seriously, I was, uh, uh, spoiler, uh, I, I, you know, we just had an episode released. There's a moment coming up, I would say three or four episodes from now, where I'm starting to edit, and I, I die, I, I fell out of my chair laughing so hard. It was so funny. <laughs> and, um, but no, it's, it's a really, it's a really insightful episode with a lot of like deep sci-fi reference cuts. Oh yeah. Uh, that I would, I would have never gotten. And so, uh, thank you, Colton, for that insight. That was really cool. Um, anyway, so getting back to our show, which is the important part here. Uh, do you have anything else before we get into the episode today? Nope. Cool. I just need uh, August to get here now. Right. Which is a little, just like two more months, almost three, three more months, two more months, God. months. 
I know, I know, I know. But we're going to blink and it's going to be here. People are going to be spoiling it all over the internet. So Not me, because uh, if you're a patron, by the way, we are going to have a watch-along event where we're going to watch the premiere together. So if you want to party with me and fellow patrons, uh, go to Divas Podcast. I'm sorry, pay- I haven't done this in a while, it feels like. Patreon.com forward slash Divas Podcast, five bucks a month. You can come hang out with us and watch Ahsoka late at night to avoid all the spoilers. But if you go from that watch and jump straight to Twitter and start spoiling it for people like me who are not going to do that and are going to get up early in the morning, we're going to have words. <laughs> they go to Camino. They go to Camino. Anyway, uh, so that's it. No reviews. Nothing. That's it. That's it. Okay. All right, then. So let's uh, let's get into why we're here. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm okay. Ready. So what we're doing on this podcast is we're watching through the entire Star Wars visual story in chronological order, which means we started with episode one, The Phantom Menace, and we have been verbing forward through time since then. I couldn't think of anything clever. Uh, and we find ourselves today in Star Wars Rebels, season one, episode nine, Gathering Forces. <gasps> what could that mean? Chris. Uh, do you have an intro? <clears throat> Imperial forces closing in. The ghost crew is on the run with with the Imperial defector Zebo, Tsebo, uh, I can't pronounce his name, who was <laughs> who has within his mind information detailing battle plans and other important data of the empire. Will the ghost crew be able to escape and will Ezra Bridger be able to learn how to forgive? Ba 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 bum. Let's find out. Okay, yes. so <clears throat> before we get into it behind the scenes, this episode is directed by Stuart Lee. This is a very common name that we're going to keep hearing uh, in Rebels. In total, he directs a total of uh, 15 episodes. So Love that for him. I know. Uh, this episode is, and I really want to shout this one out because I think this is a particularly well-written episode. Yes. Uh, it was written by Greg Wiseman. Uh, we've talked about him before. Um, we've seen uh, his writing in two other episodes of Rebels so far, Spark of Rebellion and Breaking Ranks. He's written for a lot, a lot, a lot of animation, um, mainly Young Justice and a bunch of other stuff. But I don't know if I shouted this out the last time we talked about him, but it bears repeating if I did. He wrote for 65 episodes of Gargoyles. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. You remember Gargoyles? My uh, my monster fucker gateway monster, drug show, right, Gargoyles. <laughs> Look, Goliath was hot. Really it was hot. Uh, the voice the voice actors on that show, especially one in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mean Keith David? Mm-hmm. The voice of Goliath? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Frakes and like half the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation is on that show. I fucking love I it. I love that show. I fucking love that show. Gargoyle um, Divas win? <laughs> look just call it monster fucker divas okay oh seriously because that's because after we get done with gargoyles we can just go into like mass effect you talk about mass effect oh my god god damn god damn anyway 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 yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so getting into the episode when last we left our heroes the ghost crew is being chased through space by the grand inquisitor and a whole mess of tie fighters uh because they have sibo it's sibo ignore Cibo. the tea honey it's sibo uh and his brain full of imperial secrets on board the ghost oh also sibo just told ezra that he knows what happened to ezra's parents and we ended the episode and i was like what the fuck cliffhanger right and and we opened this episode in grand rebels tradition with pew, 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 as the ghost is being chased by the Empire. 
Yeah, so at this point I'm just gonna I'm I'm just gonna ask, is there an episode where they're not being chased by the Empire at the opening of the I, episode? I really feel like that is a counter we can do. <laughs> at this <laughs> like, point. The ghost crew is does not open an episode being chased by the Empire. <laughs> I think that's going to be easier to count. Right, at this point. Good God. Anyway, Hera's doing her best because she's goddamn amazing. Uh, she's shouting to Chopper because she's like, you need to get on that bat gun because we're being chased by a bunch of guys. Zeb gets back to the bat gun because Chopper is down. Yep. He got blown up. He got blown up. Well, I mean, he got, he definitely got zapped because they yeah. hit the back gun. He takes over the rear gun. They're cool. Hera's like, Sabine, I need you on the nose gun. And Sabine is about to go, but she turns back to Ezra and she's like, oh my God. And Ezra's like, didn't you hear Hera? You need to go get on a gun. And she says, didn't you hear Sibo? He knows what happened to your parents. And Ezra's like, I already know what happened. They're dead. So go. Wow. That's oh. really dark, Ezra. Oh. And so she's like, oh, she gets like this really like empathetic and hurt look on her face and, and she toddles off. But then he immediately turns to Sibo and he's like, oh, my God, what happened to my parents? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. What is what's going on here, Ezra? He's acting like, like I don't know, a teenager. Like just, a teenage boy. Just emotionally all over the place and just really fucked up. Yeah. Well, you know, trauma. Yeah. And also while being shot at by TIE fighters. So it's kind of a stressful situation. It's a little, it's a little um, high strung right now. Yeah. It's a little tense. Uh, speaking of, Hera is on the radio. She's like, anybody want to tell me why the fuck this is happening? <laughs> and I'm like, Hera, you did just blow up a prototype TIE fighter. Yeah, but they do that all the time. That's true. Uh, and so, yeah, Kanan explains, yeah, we picked up this roadie and he knows everything about the fucking empire. And she's like, oh, okay, well, cool. Let's get out of here. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, Ezra is still trying to get Zeebo to make some fucking sense. Because remember, Zeebo has this fucking cybernetic implant that's mm -hmm. scrambled up his brain, mm -hmm. right? So he's kind of babbling. Uh, and he starts babbling about uh, how he needs forgiveness, how he failed, uh, and how he he's so scared and he was supposed to raise Ezra. Mm-hmm. Like he was supposed to look after Ezra and he didn't and and forgive me, forgive me. Ezra is fucking livid. He goes, forgive you? My parents trusted you and you failed them and you failed me. I'll never forgive you for that. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Okay, A, deep cuts. This is all very painful. But B, the, the interesting thing about this recording is it is so emotive. It is so intense. Like Taylor Gray is doing an amazing, is that his name, Taylor Gray? Oh shit. I, oh shit, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I think it is. God damn it. I'm going to look it up right now. It's okay. It's okay. We're here. I have the internet right in front of me. Taylor Gray, I was right. Uh, Taylor Gray is doing an amazing job uh, with this performance, particularly considering I saw an interview with him where he's he has no idea what Ezra's actual backstory is. Yeah. They, do, they, they are keeping such a tight lid on like the meta plot and, and the backstory and everything in this in these episodes, the voice actors only know what's on the page in front of them when they're recording. He has no deeper information than that. Yeah, and I feel like, and so the only thing he has to go by is what's in the script, right? And right. And of course, I'm sure I'm sure he gets direction while they're doing the recording. But mm -hmm. I feel like this is the episode where Rebels, real the writing of Rebels, really starts to mm -hmm. shine. Before before this episode, it felt. Like, they were really going for a much younger audience than Clone Wars was. But this episode, it cut deep, which yeah. is which is Rebels' reputation as a, as a show. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a show that will traumatize you pretty hard. And this is, like, for me, the first episode that starts to do that. 
Well, and this is the first episode that really starts to bring nuance. Like up to this point, it's been like, oh, this adorable little Aladdin-esque boy running around in the streets of Agrabah, aka capital city of Lothal, uh, you know, being a street rat. Isn't it adorable? Isn't it cartoony? But now we're starting to see that, no, that's not cute at all. And we're starting to see, like in these two episodes, it's not it's not cute. It's actually uh, deeply traumatizing. And what you're going to be watching now is the cartoon version of of this family coming together and and healing each other. And like everybody on this crew has issues, but right now we're really focusing on Ezra's. Um, and I think that's really um, that's fantastic. Again, much like with Clone Wars, uh, Rebels is not condescending to its young audience. No, kids can get shit like this. Kids understand. And uh, we'll talk more about it as this episode goes on. But uh, I love what they're teaching kids in this episode. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Anyway, uh, so Hera's like, uh, fuck, the shields are failing. Ezra, I need you in the cockpit. You need to get, I need hands up here fixing shit. But Ezra's not particularly good at that. And he says that. He's like, that's not my forte. And Hera doesn't give a fuck. She's like, make it your forte, please. (laughs) Yeah, learn now. We get a quick little shot back to the TIE fighters that are chasing. The Grand Inquisitor is impressed with the ghost. Oh, absolutely. Because because the ghost has got an amazing pilot, a fucking crackerjack crew. They're doing an amazing job. And like, he should be impressed because it is him. He's in one of those newfangled TIE fighters. Yeah. Yep. His own personal TIE advanced ship. Yeah. Yes. And so and and he's got like a half a dozen other TIE fighters and this one ship is still evading them. So he's impressed. Uh, but he does launch a tracker. Oh, absolutely. Because that's that's something that these new TIE advances can do. And it attaches to the hull. Cool. So, um, yeah, Ezra gets into the cockpit. And then what happens? Uh, well, he's trying to fix this shit that he doesn't know how to fix and he can't. Then Sibo comes up and he mutters to himself and instantly fixes everything. Because he fed actual navigational data into the computer system to get it to work. And Hera's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. Okay, I'm going to go into hyperspace, even though I don't know where we're going. And oh, shit, <laughs> by the way, there are two Star Destroyers coming our way. And I'm getting like like Empire Strikes Back vibes uh, from that mm-hmm. moment. Like the moment where the Falcon is like, oh, shit, there are Star Destroyers coming our way. Uh, which is one of two really cool Empire references, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. uh, luckily... Uh, they're able to take off. By the way, would you like to know about the tracker? Uh, yes, please. I was going to ask. I'm so glad that you volunteered. Go. Yeah, so this tracker was made especially for the Empire by Sinar Systems. Uh, it gets mentioned later in the episode. This is one of the first trackers that allows uh, uh, someone to track a ship through hyperspace. Because generally, when you travel through hyperspace, you go too far and you lose the signal. So even if you have like a right. badass tracker on a ship, if they go a certain distance in the galaxy, uh, you can't find them anymore. Uh, this tracker allows them to basically uh, track things a lot further away, thus allowing them to track them through hyperspace. Amazing. I love it. Uh, And also um, observe, once again, Rebels uh, debunking a lot of complaints that people had about the goddamn sequel trilogy. Okay. Uh, Because people were like, how could anybody be tracking anybody and chasing them and stuff like that? Because they can. Well, Rebels establishes a lot of different uh, plot ideas that will get mm-hmm. used later in different Star Wars properties. Yeah. And I have a real, another yeah. really cool example of that a little bit later in this episode. Ooh, exciting. Okay. So they are safely in hyperspace. They've made the jump away and everybody can take a deep breath. And Hera's like, hey, so this is Sibo, right? Cool. Hey, Sibo, thank you for saving our lives. And Ezra's like, yeah, I guess there's a first time for everything and stomps off. Thanks, um, Ezra. Well, you know, he's angry and it's perhaps legitimate. 
Meanwhile, on the Star Destroyer, by the way, that ship is called the Relentless. Of course. Because they're relentlessly pursuing. <laughs> because we never relent. <laughs> Ever. So uh, the Grand Inquisitor is on the bridge of the Relentless. Uh, and this is, ship is being commanded by Admiral Cassius Constantine. Would you like to know who is voicing Admiral Cassius Constantine? Please. That is D. Bradley Baker. Of course. Of course. I feel like we weren't explicit enough about this last episode when we mentioned D. Bradley Baker being the voice of Ephraim Bridger and also Joe. D. Bradley Baker, for those of you who are just joining us, is the voice of every single clone in the Clone Wars. Yeah. That's yeah. D. Bradley Baker. He's goddamn brilliant. And so obviously they're going to keep using him for stuff. So he's a lot of just ancillary characters in Rebels. It's great. Until, anyway. until a certain character makes his return and I'm here for it. Um, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> loving the uh, Grand Inquisitor entrance, by the way, with all the uh, officers in the uh, in the pits looking up at him as he's walking by. Very Empire mm -hmm. Strikes Back, because that's exactly what happens when Vader is walking up uh, on that platform. And I feel like any any being with any sense of self preservation is going to watch the Grand Inquisitor walk through the room. Correct. So that you don't get fucking snuck up on <laughs> with a with a saber or something no, like. No, and, you want to know where he is. Right, but in fairness to the Grand Inquisitor, I haven't seen him force choke anybody, murder people outright. He's a little bit more flexible. Like, I feel like he's I the mean, kind of guy that's going to guilt trip you to death as opposed to just, like, violently kill you. He's definitely more of a talker. Right. Like, he's he's here for the emotional and psychological violence right. more than the physical. But he ain't afraid of the physical either. And you oh, know no. what? That's hot. Anyway, so... <laughs> He is still a Sith. He is still who he is. So he takes a moment of melodrama um, because Admiral Constantine is like, yeah, the signal's coming through just fine. We can totally track them and catch them. And the Grand Inquisitor is like, yes. I still sense the Jedi and his Padawan within my grasp. Boom, they jump into hyperspace. They're chasing him down. So meanwhile, back on the ghost, uh, the crew is contemplating just what the fuck they're going to do with Sibo. <laughs> and uh kane is like well we got some ideas ezra what do you think and ezra puts on his cadet helmet which apparently sabine has painted for him nice so it's all it's all decorative now and he's like i don't know and i don't care i'm gonna pout i am super nonchalant pouty teenage boy now boop -a -doop -a -doop. kanan calls him on his shit immediately yeah pops that helmet off of him and goes look zebo is clearly important to you uh, you care what happens to him. And you're never going to be a Jedi if you can't be honest with yourself, at least yourself, uh, about how you feel and what you care about. Wouldn't it have been nice if uh, Kanan was on the Jedi Council? Right? He was, <laughs> but in his defense, in his defense, he was a little boy at the time. Yeah. So. If grown so. up, if grown up Kanan could have gone back into time and been on the Jedi Council. So they would. They like, would have hated him. He oh, would have. He would have been like. He would have been like the Qui Gon Jinn to them. I was just gonna say that he was. He while he yeah. would have been another Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah. Yeah. They would have been like, oh my god, here comes Kanan with his like emotional intelligence and shit. <laughs> <laughs> his his common sense and lack of interest in bureaucracy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's send. Go send him out with Qui Gon and his essential oils. We're done with that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ezra's like, no, I don't care about. I don't care about Sibo because he didn't help my parents. So I don't care what happens to him. And people are immediately like, ooh, hey. So valid counterpoints to that. Uh, Kane is like, what the fuck was he going to do against the entire Empire? Right. 
Like, what did you expect this one Rodian to do to help your parents? And that's because Ezra has a child's point of view right. on this. Like, his brain is still stuck in in being that little guy looking up at the adults who, of course, control everything in his world and expecting them to be able to do everything and control everything in the world. Yep. Uh, and so when they fail at that, it is an enormous failing uh completely out of proportion of what was actually possible because again child perspective and i think that is really interesting writing i love for that. this kid's cartoon yeah and that's gonna keep <laughs> happening anyway so sabine is like and um he's got this giant cybernetic implant on his head these are not required he volunteered for this this guy fucked up his own brain so that he could get data on the empire maybe he's doing it to make up for not helping your parents Thank you, girl. Uh, yeah. Right? Right? The script is also really efficient. Like, dealing with teenage brooding takes time. But we have 23 minutes in this episode. We don't have time to really let Ezra stew. We've got to start resolving some shit. And so the script, the the dialogue is just going to cut right through a lot of bullshit. Yeah. And I appreciate that. This is what happens when you have a broody teenage force user um, and you don't let them just marinate in their own negatory juices, right? Or it's almost, uh, or murder a bunch of sand people, maybe? Right. Yeah. I feel like Rebels is really like Filoni and, and everybody around uh, the Filoni vision uh, of this project. Like It's like a fix-it fic for like how Anakin could have been raised better. Yeah. You know, you know, because here we have a boy who is also super traumatized, also lost his his parents early, um, you know, also has all of this emotional damage. And we're going to see uh, how you can still deal with the whole dark side thing and stuff like that. And like maybe not become a genocidal maniac. I don't yep. know. That's my theory. I'm, my theory is this show won't have the uh, character that's clearly designed to be super relatable to uh, the audience turn into a genocidal maniac by the end. Huh. Crazy. Weird. Anyway, um, Sibo interrupts all of this discussion uh, by pointing out, hey, by the way, the Empire can track you now. <laughs> oh. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So they need to hurry up and fix Chopper so Chopper can uh, get the track the tracker. Uh, so Zeb, I think, is the one that tries to fix him. Yep, nope, that's Hera. Oh, that's Hera. Okay. Uh, oh, no, Zeb is the one that gives Chopper shit. Uh, Hera, yeah, yes. Hera, Hera fixes Chopper. Chopper freaks the fuck out, and he's like, like what the I fuck I love happened? it. I love that Chopper is the kind of guy who wakes up swinging. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and literally, all of his arms like, are, bah, 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 bah. all of his arms are sticking out. He's ready to fight. He's ready to start shooting and blasting. Uh -huh. And Zeb's like, dude, calm the fuck down. You've only been, like, down for a couple minutes. And Chopper, in my notes, I have just says, fuck, 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 over and over again. Uh, and then they they ask him, hey, Chopper, can you start looking for the tracker? And Ch Chopper continues to be a belligerent little dick, and I love him. Yeah. No, mm. I adore him. But he does find the tracker. Yes. Thankfully, the tracker is on the Phantom. That's great, yeah. because the mm. Phantom is a part of the ship. So intelligently, you could just drop out of hyperspace, separate the two ships, and then go back and go back into hyperspace, right? And then later get another phantom, I guess. Yeah. Except yeah, that's not sure. what they do. Instead. No. <laughs> instead, they fucking decide, hey, let's just detach in the middle of hyperspace. What? 
Yeah. So there's a couple of things about this. A, the script is, again, super efficient right. here because they go through, here's the plan. Here's all the reasons the plan is fucking insane. We're going to do the plan anyway. Um, because, oh, by the way, and we learn a lot of shit in this conversation. Did you know you can modify your hyperspace coordinates in mid-flight? Nope. I had no idea that was possible. Apparently it is. Uh, from what I understand, it's super dangerous to start separating off pieces of your ship while you're in mid hyperspace, especially if one of the pieces that you're separating off does not have a hyperdrive like the right. Phantom. Right. Now, Stephanie, let me ask you a question. What does that remind you of? That reminds me of the hyperspace disaster from the uh, High Republic books. Correct. I was fl- freaking the fuck out. Like, oh my God, this is probably one of the inspiration points for. Oh, I just spat on myself. If you would like to watch me <laughs> spit on myself, you can. Oh, my God. Go to patreon.com forward slash Steve's podcast, five bucks a month. Anyway. Don't um, you have an OnlyFans for that? Not yet. Oh, so, like okay. spit, spitting up on myself, OnlyFans? Hmm. Ew, spitting up like a baby? Yeah. Did you just like vom on yourself a little no, bit? I, I don't I was have just you speaking, on camera. No, I was just speaking in like, anyway, we don't need to get into the graphic details, Heather. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Um, but no, like when I heard that and I also, and I saw the, the, ta- the detachment of them doing it, I, my mm-hmm. mind immediately went to light of the Jedi. Right. And so I, I'm thinking of it in light of the Jedi terms where like, they're going to exit hyperspace and they're going to be going so fast. They're yeah. Gonna, they're just go fuck everything up anyway. Uh, but it's a cartoon. We're okay. Um, but so they, they immediately go through all the pros and cons of this plan. This scene is literally like three minutes. Yeah. It's so fast. It's so good, though. We get all the information we need. There's no confusion here. Uh, so they can't just drop the Phantom on its own and leave the tracker because Kanan points out the Grand Inquisitor is part of the team that's tracking them. Right. So he's got to lock on Ezra and Kanan. So Ezra and Kanan need to go in the Phantom. Well, shit. So they can lead everything uh, away from the crew and away from Sibo. Uh, because if they stay on the ship and they send the Phantom off, they still run the risk of Sibo getting caught. So, uh, and Ezra's like, wait, 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 wait. You mean that I have to go get on the Phantom? And oh, by the way, the other part of the plan is they're going to take the Phantom over to the asteroid field formerly known as Anaxus, where the monsters live. What? Yeah, sure. Uh, this is all Kanan's idea. Kanan's very nonchalant about all of this. Yeah. Uh, but Ezra's like, you mean I need to put my little self in this ship and go to the asteroid field where the monsters live as a favor to Zebo to keep Zebo safe? And Kanan's like, it's a favor to all of us to keep all of us safe. Okay? And don't worry. I'll be with you. Yeah. Just oh, a quick okay. reminder, though. Ezra did almost die uh, on that yeah. on that base. So he is right to be worried. He almost got eaten. Yeah, he almost got shredded <laughs> right. and eaten. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we get a quick scene with uh, Sabine and Ezra talking. Yeah. Yeah. And whew, this was really hard. So, yeah. yeah. So Sabine is asking Ezra if, it's, if he thinks his parents are really dead. And, you know, he's still being a he's being a teenager. I'm, I'm, I keep saying he's being a dick, but he's just being a teenager who's been traumatized and has had mm-hmm. to live on his own since he was seven, which he points out. And Sabine's just trying to tell Ezra, yo, you gotta get over it and forgive Zebo. He's done all this stuff for you. And like, you're giving him like way too much shit. And he's trying to, and Ezra is saying, look, because my parents were gone, I've been alone since I was seven. If I let myself believe my folks were alive, If I let myself believe they'd come back and save me, I'd never have learned how to survive. Oh, and by the way, Kanan is right outside the doorway uh, listening Mm -hmm. to this whole conversation. And I am watching Sabine's face and her heart 
like I'm watching her heartbreak listening to this. Well, yeah, because she's picturing the same thing I'm picturing, which is imagine little first grader Ezra. Right. Okay. Seven-year-old Ezra having to tell himself to suck it up and stop crying and get out there and steal some food or he's going to starve. Like, yeah. The moment when kids have to learn to fend for themselves because nobody else is taking care of them, that is a growing up step that you can't take back. Um, and it, like you want, you want your kids to learn how to take care of themselves, obviously, but not at seven. Not at seven. Like he shouldn't have to, to figure out his own basic necessities of life, like food and shelter when he's, when he's in first fucking grade or whatever the equivalent is in Star Wars. So that is heartbreaking, uh, to, to imagine all of that. And like, it's really, really hard for kids who have had to do that. Chris, you might have some perspective on this. For kids who have to take care of their damn selves, I have some perspective on this as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really, really, really hard for them to then later learn how to let someone else take care of them uh, or help them in any way. Guilty. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is a story that they are telling in Rebels. And that's just a hell of a lot of nuance for a kid's show. And I just think about the kids watching this show who are maybe sitting there watching it because eating the breakfast they had to cook for themselves. Yeah. Because because their parents aren't taking care of them. Yeah. And like Ezra's for them. And that's fucking amazing. Yeah. There is a reason why this show resonates with so many people, y'all. If you haven't gone through Rebels before, like there's a there's a deep love for Star Wars Rebels. And this is why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's because it's it's speaking from the heart and it's speaking gently but truthfully about a lot of stuff that is very, very real uh, to current kids and former kids. So, but I love that Kanan was outside the whole time listening to this. So he damn well knows what they were just talking about, about yep. how uh, Sabine is like, you need to talk to Sibo now because you may never see him again. You're about to go get on the Phantom and go and we're going to go deliver him somewhere else. You may never see him again. You got to talk to him. And Ezra's like, no, fuck that. So the door opens and Kanan's just standing there and he looks at Ezra for a long second. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, you ready? And Ezra just starts walking and Kanan's like, okay. And I feel like that was a moment for where Kanan was like, do you want to talk to Sibo? Yeah. And when Ezra clearly communicated no, Kanan was like, I'm cool with that. Let's go. Yeah. He ain't going to push it. I fucking love Kanan. I love Kanan so He's, much. He, his learning curve for handling teenagers is really steep, but he's getting there. Well, he wasn't a teenager that long himself, you know. I mean, there's a um, pair. Of- I feel I feel like teen teen years are the same length. What do you mean? Well, no, I mean Kanan's younger, and mm-hmm. he also had to fend for himself. We'll find out much later. There's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of similarities between Ezra, Ezra and Kanan. Truth, true, true, true. So, speaking of Ezra and Kanan, they are on the Phantom. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I, I have some stuff in my notes about, like, how the fuck is it even possible to separate in mid-hyperspace? How is that even a thing? The Phantom doesn't have hyperdrive. This is going to suck. Yeah. They could die. They could die just trying to separate. And also, are they going to separate at the right moment in hyperspace to end up in the right, like, part of the galaxy? Blah, 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 blah. I had to fast and furious this part just a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, you really do. They get, you know, the Kanan and Ezra are on the Phantom. You ready? Cool. Let's go. They separate from the ghost. There is a super trippy, spinny rainbow light show. Happy Pride, everyone. Uh, <laughs> as they tumble out of hyperspace and Kanan eventually gets regains control of the Phantom. And voila, they're in the right spot. They're going straight over to the asteroid field. Gotta love Star Wars. Just go with it, man. Just yeah. fucking go with it. Um, and I love that we cut to the Star Destroyer and the Grand Inquisitor has his eyes closed and the Admiral walks in behind him and is about to say something. And the Grand Inquisitor goes, I sense movement in the force. <laughs> like, and the Admiral's like, dude, how the fuck did you know? Yeah, <laughs> dude, was I, was, whole face. <laughs> I was totally about to tell you that we tracked him dropping out of hyperspace and we should go. And he doesn't even get to finish the sentence before the Inquisitor is like, yeah, go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking follow it. Okay. Again. So, Inquisitor is so much easier to work with than Vader. You don't even have to finish the sentence. Right, but still, also, Sith gonna Sith, right? Yeah. We're gonna have some high drama moment. I'm going to seem fucking omnipotent. And also, I never say please. So. Never. Never. Ever. Ever. All right, so we're pulling up to uh, the Fort Anaxis asteroid. The one from, you know, the Out of Darkness episode. We've been here before. Uh, and Ezra's like, hey, should we go over the plan again? <laughs> And Kanan's like, I never told you the plan. God damn it. <laughs> and Kanan is flying them straight into the hangar where the Fernox live. Right. Just straight into it. Okay. So the plan is Kanan's going to get out and detach the tracker and, and disable that whole thing while Ezra goes and force connects with the Fernox. Yes. And Ezra had, did, was not able to force connect with the Lothcat. So how is he going to do that with a bunch of these monsters? Right. Yeah. And Ezra's like, is this really the best time for a lesson? And Kane is like, yeah, actually it is, because surviving is how you learn best. Oh, snap. Oh, okay. And But Ezra's like, Kanan, I can't. I'm afraid. And Kanan says, I got news for you, kid. Everyone's afraid. But admitting it as you just did makes you braver than most. Aw. Can we just, can we just, can we just take a moment? To just bask in the glow of this non-toxic masculinity Jedi dad lesson. Because that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What What's this? We've got a father figure telling a young man to to connect with his feelings and admit his fears. And, and that that actually makes him stronger and braver. Amazing. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, they land. They hop out. Kanan goes to uh, get the tracker off the ship. Ezra is walking out into the darkness that is filled with monsters prowling in his direction. And Ezra is legit scared. Because it's legitimately creepy. Because I'm legit scared. I'm like, there are yellow yeah. glowing eyes everywhere and they're hissing. Uh -huh. And oh my God, run away, Ezra. And poor Ezra's <laughs> like, I'm one with the force. I'm one with the force. I'm one with the force. <laughs> Dude, they are right on him. Like, you you could tell he can, like, feel their breath. They're yeah. so close. They're about to fucking eat him. Kanan jumps up, and he's helping to hold them off, but he's also yelling at Ezra. He's yeah. like, you're blocking. They can they can feel that. You are not going to be able to connect. What's wrong here? Ezra, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of... I'm afraid of knowing. I'm afraid of the truth. And then all of a sudden, he, like, force connects with Sibo? Yeah. And he says, I'm sorry, I forgive you, Sibo. And Sibo hears him, and you can suddenly see, like, a, a fog lift from Sibo's eyes. Right. And I have to ask, is Sibo Force-sensitive? Or is it just Ezra doing his Force thing? 
I think it's just Ezra doing his force thing. And I think it's what we're seeing is not like a force healing moment or anything in Zebo's mind. It's the immense relief of being forgiven and being able to apologize. I love that. Like but, that is so fucking great. Yes. But also Ezra's fucking powerful. Yes, he is. He is incredibly powerful because the ghost is not in range. No. They're still in hyperspace. Right. So this is, and this isn't like a, a a Luke Leia connection that we'll see later in the original trilogy, where they're fucking twins. They used to occupy the same womb, so obviously they're going to have some connection. This is just a friend of his parents. But Ezra was still able to, in this moment of extreme emotion, reach out and forgive Sibo and hear Sibo on some level saying, I too am sorry. Forgive me for everything. He must have a high M count. <laughs> that is a face. <laughs> I, fucking, I fucking hate midichlorians so much. I really, really appreciate that nobody's mentioned midichlorians yet in this fucking show. God damn it. Anyway, so we have this big emotional release where 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 Ezra has finally let go of all of his anger and has forgiven Sibo and and, and Zebo has apologized. It's fucking great. Kanan, we cut back to Kanan. He's looking around and he is fucking shocked because Ezra has calmed all of the Fernox. Yeah, all of them. They're all just sitting there, just waiting, just calmly looking at this little Jedi with his hand up. Just, oh my God. Oh my God, the power of Ezra. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Love it. Um, So meanwhile, back on the ghost, who's there to pick up Sibo? Fulcrum and mm-hmm. uh, in a Karelian ship, and uh, Sabine and Zeb are like, "So, Hera, can we meet Fulcrum now?" And she's all, "No," and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but she takes, uh, but uh, she uh, Hera goes with Sibo, and Sibo Hera notices that Sibo seems much much clearer, and mm-hmm. Hera remarks on that, and Sibo asks, "Am I going to get to see Ezra again?" And Hera's not sure, and. Sibo just tells her, I've tried to make things right. Um, mm-hmm. He knows Bridger's parents' fate, and he wants, to, he wants to tell Ezra so bad what happened. And Hera's like, well, then tell me, and I'll tell Ezra. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, good. They're going to go into this whole explanation where I get to find out what happened to Ezra's parents. And no. Nope. Scene cuts away. Cut away. God damn it. But I do like that clearly Sibo did this to his brain. He yeah. did the cybernetic implant and everything so he could find out what happened to the Bridgers. Everything else, gathering all of this like top secret intel on the Empire, was just a bonus. That was just icing. That was an accident. He didn't even mean to do that. He was just looking for the file on the Bridgers. So he really did mutilate his brain to try and find out what happened to them. He really is trying to make up for not taking care of Ezra. Like the Bridgers asked him to take care of Ezra for them. And and he he didn't. didn't. Yeah. So guilt drove him to do this and he's trying to make up for it. So whatever he found out, he has told to Hera, she will presumably convey that to Ezra, assuming everyone survives the episode. So (laughs) meanwhile, the relentless rolls up on uh, the Anaxis asteroid field and they're setting a shuttle down to the base. Is this the first time we're seeing a Lambda class shuttle? Uh, No, because we saw it at the end. Oh, in the series. Yeah, I think so, because uh, we did the first time we saw a Lambda shuttle was at the end of Clone Wars. Nice. Yeah. 
So, yeah, it's the shuttle. It goes out. It lands in front of this base because they're obviously they're following the tracker. It's the Grand Inquisitor and a whole bunch of troopers. They file out. They're marching into the hangar. They're following the signal. Well, hold on. They don't just file out. They line up waiting for the Inquisitor to get out and give him like a short parade. Like, did they really need to do that? (laughs) Yes. God damn it. I want to be. If he got. If he got suited up in those fucking stupid imperial puffy pants, the least they can do is salute him with a little parade every time he goes anywhere. I just, I need to be a Sith. I hate those pants. (laughs) (laughs) I hate them. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the Grand Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor is like, uh, whatever you do, we're taking them alive. Okay? Cool. Interesting. So they go into the hangar. It's all dun dun dun, dun lights on because it's dark in here. Here we go. They immediately find Kanan and Ezra. They're meditating. Mm. Uh, they're just sitting there serenely, eyes closed, because they are surrounded by Fernox. Uh, and then Kanan and Ezra, in creepy unison, raise their hands and point and fucking sick the Fernox on the Imperials. And I'm here for it. Yeah, this I, I support I, this. I have in my notes the stormtroopers are fucked. I wonder what the Inquisitor is going to do. Uh, unfortunately, the Inquisitor is still a Sith or a yep. dark. I, I should say a dark force user. Um, and uh, flee. The whites of his eyes are solid black. We can call him a Sith. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. So he, uh, the Inquisitor, just unfortunately flings one of the Furnox and then cuts another one in half with his lightsaber. So he's not intimidated. He's not intimidated by them at all. No, he thinks it's adorable. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and he's walking up. So Kanan gets up, ignites his lightsaber, and he's like, I am totally going to fight you now. Meanwhile, Ezra is actually still meditating and still like directing the Furnox. Yeah. So he's he's still on the ground. So Kanan is stepping forward to keep the Grand Inquisitor the fuck off of his Padawan. Cool. They fight. And it's a good fight. What I really like about this fight is it's telling us a lot about Kanan. And about, again, how his lightsaber training is incomplete. Very incomplete. He does really well against regular people. But against a another trained lightsaber user, especially someone who I guess we'll find out over the course of the series, but I already know because it's just knowledge, who was a Jedi Temple guard. Yeah. Like the Grand Inquisitor is old school trained. He's, he's fucking good at what he does. And Kanan, you know, his lightsaber training stopped at Order 66, which we'll learn more about later. But, like, obviously, he has not been trained since then. And you see this a lot in martial arts, right? You'll get people who come in and they train for, like, a couple of years. And, yeah, they've got some skill. And if they're out on the street getting harassed by a J-random citizen on the street, yes, their couple of years' worth of martial arts skill avails them well. They can kick the ass of a person on the street. But you put them in a room with someone who has been training for a lot longer, and they are—they might as well be Joe Random on the street. Like they—they don't—they don't stand a fucking chance. And like that is very clear in this fight. I love it. I love very it. fucking clear. It's so good. I like—I like fights that tell story. I like fights that advance our understanding of characters much more than just fights that are cool. Yeah. Uh, Inquisitor says to Kanan, "Your meager training." Is nothing in the face of true power. <laughs> and I was like, true oh, that reminds power. me of the time I first bottomed. <laughs> anyway. 
The thing about that is not just that you're oversharing about your your sexual past. We've, that's that's what we do here. But that, that came out of nowhere. That's what's in my notes. That was. I don't care if it. That's sure it's in your notes, so you know it's coming. You know that that's something you're going to say. I didn't know that. Nobody listening to this show right now knew you were going to do that. That came out of left fucking field. Nothing about this confrontation said <laughs> to me until you did. Uh, anyway, we're going to move forward before you say something really bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. 119 episodes in and you finally learned self-restraint. Amazing. Amazing. Um... That's on character growth, people. I know. Look at that. Know. You're, you're watching character growth in real time. Anyway. I just noticed Kaden... that we're we're deep into this episode and I haven't made one <laughs> joke at all. So I'm, I'm I'm keeping this on task. We have a quota to meet. You know we... what? You're absolutely right. Carry right. on. Yeah. So uh, Kanan gets his ass handed to him and he gets like fucking force shoved across the floor and knocked out. And like this is the second time this has happened. Right. Where the Grand Inquisitor just knocks Kanan the fuck out, and now Ezra's on his own. But Ezra's had a little training. He uses the Force to snatch up Kanan's lightsaber, and he puts his little body <laughs> in between the Grand Inquisitor and his unconscious master. Ugh. And it's it's so brave, and it's so poignant, and it only lasts for a second because the Grand Inquisitor sure does Force snatch the saber right out of Ezra's hand. Sure does. And and starts stalking towards him, both blades down, kicking up sparks as they dig through the floor. And he says to Ezra, Your devotion to your master is admirable, but it will not save you. Nothing can. <laughs> and Sorry. my pants fell off a little. Right? I was like, I was like, did the Inquisitor just get me? It, he did. He, he did. did. He did. He I now did. love him. Puffy yeah. pants and all. Yep. Yep. God damn it. I blame Jason Isaacs. It, it was dark. Yeah, I know. Jason it's, Isaacs. God damn it, sir. Why do you have to be that hot? That fucking voice. Why? 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 But thank you. But thank you. But why? He force shoves Ezra back. There's a cliff behind Ezra because apparently there's a giant crack in the ground. Cool. Ezra kind of tumbles off of it, scrambles back up real quick. And he's like, he's yelling at the Inquisitor. He's like, get back. And he's very much like angry puppy energy here. Uh, and the Inquisitor's like, oh, that's so cute. Yes, use your anger. Yes, good. The darkness is swallowing you up, orphan. <gasps> God damn. How, A, how dare you? B, how do he know? Does he know who this is? He doesn't know who this is. Maybe this is just like a force insight thing. I think so. He's just thinking of him as a Padawan, right? But so he doesn't like have a dossier on Ezra Bridger, as far as we know. As far as we know, that would tell him that this person is an orphan, or maybe he's referring to the Jedi as orphan because there's no Jedi Order, and these are just lost Jedi. Could be, yeah, could be. Anyway, he's continuing to stalk towards Ezra while he's at the edge of this cliff because this is what uh, Dark Force users who want to recruit you do: is they yep. push you, yeah, they push you to fall to the dark side. So he's moving forward and he's saying, "Your master will die." No. Your friends will die, and everything you've hoped for will be lost. This is the way the story ends. <laughs> and Ezra, right? And Ezra responds as the only way a Star Wars protagonist can, by screaming, No! And doing something really stupid. Well, it worked out, kind of. It was badass. Yeah. It was intense. So we cut to Kanan, who is waking up. Because there's all these rocks starting to float up on the ground around him. Yeah. 
And we'll get back to Ezra, and he's got a look on his face of just pure rage, right? But very focused rage, and he's staring at the Grand Inquisitor. And then it says in my notes, Ezra casts Summon Monster. <laughs> summon Monster 5. <laughs> yeah. Because up out of the, the crack in the ground behind him climbs the biggest, meanest, ugliest Fernock you've ever seen. I have a, a mother Fernock. <laughs> well, that's the thing is in production behind the scenes, they referred to her as Fernock Mama. Yeah. Yeah. She's the Fernock Mama. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the beast is up. It is, and it's, everything is very red and very dark and the music is very dark. Like dark things are afoot here. And Kanan is looking at him. He's like, oh shit, Ezra, no, no. And so Ezra six, this giant Furnock monster on the Grand Inquisitor. Cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Ezra passes out. <laughs> too much, too much force power. Uh, that was yeah, very so tiring. the Inquisitor tries to fight the monster back. He drops, uh, he had Kanan's lightsaber before. He drops it down on the ground. He has to mm -hmm. use, his, he has to put his lightsaber in helicopter mode just to fight off the monster. <laughs> and that gives Kanan the opportunity to collect Ezra and his lightsaber. Kanan doesn't give a fuck about what's going on with the Grand Inquisitor right now. He is 100% like dad level focused on getting Ezra the fuck out of here, right. getting him to safety. Like, that's all he cares about. Right? He's so scared for Ezra right now. And like, I love that even in the much more simplistic Rebels animation, you can see that. It comes through in his facial expressions. It comes through in Freddie Prince Jr.'s performance. Kanan's scared for Ezra. Yeah. And I just, I, I love it. So he scoops up Ezra, throws him over his shoulder. He starts running off. The Grand Inquisitor throws uh, his saber copter at him. Yep. And once again, Kanan, but one-handed this time, fucking Babe Ruth swings that thing away. <laughs> gets on the ship. And they, they get on the Phantom and they take the fuck off, right? Yeah, they shoot the shuttle on their way out, so that way they can't, yes. just, they can't just follow them. And the Grand Inquisitor says the most accurate thing, because it was the thing I was thinking. I have in my notes, oh, <laughs> Vader is not going to love that. And Inquis the Inquisitor right. says, my master will not be pleased. Well, that's, a fucking, right. uh, that's a fucking understatement. But in the context of the show, we don't know who his master is. Well, we do if, and that's only if, you saw the ABC version of the Rebels premiere, because that is where they show Vader talking to the Grand Inquisitor. That's true. Right. That's true. You're right. But only if yeah. you saw that version. You didn't. You uh, you only saw that scene. If you didn't get to see that on ABC, you had to wait till the DVDs came out before you saw that scene. Nice. Nice. So then Kanan and Ezra are on the Phantom, and, and Ezra's like, I saved us? That doesn't feel right. I'm cold. What's up with that? Yeah, and I'm like, well, because you use the dark side, honey. Um, but he doesn't Which remember. Which is kind of what Kanan said. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he doesn't remember what he did, and Kanan's like, well, that's probably for the best. Um, mm -hmm. And Kanan says that... Your powers are growing so quickly you weren't prepared. I didn't teach you what you needed to know. I'm sorry. And I, I sense right. Kanan was very guilty about that. Well, you sense that because Kanan says that he fucked up and he apologizes for it. Yeah, yeah. And again... Ding on the non-toxic masculinity counter. We don't really need a counter for that. That's just fucking great. Yeah. Like, you didn't do something. People got hurt for it. And now you apologize. And now the greatest apology is changed behavior. And you can tell Kanan is going to fix that. He's going to, he's, because he already in this conversation starts finally explaining things about like the dark side to Ezra. And how opening yourself to the force when you're full of anger and fear can bring on the dark side and, I don't know, make giant monsters attack people? 
Yeah. Like that's that's fucking great. This this whole little scene on on the Phantom was just I don't know, it's it's a big character growth moment for both of them. Um cuz Ezra is shook by his own power and by what he's capable of. And Kanan is adjusting mentally adjusting his Jedi curriculum for this kid. No, I I totally agree. I mean, I, I you know, Kanan Kanan struggled very early in the show with being a teacher. He's like, we're going to mm-hmm. get somebody else to train you, right? That was his like phase 1 of this whole relationship with Ezra. Right, yeah. And now he's like, "Oh shit, I'm taking care of him." And oh shit, he just tapped into the dark side. I've heard of Jedi doing this. This kind of why the whole Jedi Order thing didn't work out. So, and Ezra also, on top of that, is extremely powerful, it turns out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm in way over my head, but I'm going to do my best. And I think that's excellent. And, uh, but also, that character growth is so fast because this so is only quick. episode nine of the first season. I know. So I have to assume, because again, it's been a while since I've watched the series, I have to assume that though this character growth has been very fast, we will also do the absolutely accurate nuance thing of backsliding and having to remake up ground and, and, and continuing to sort of have nuance in this whole interaction. Oh, there's I definitely going to, I, I mean, I would definitely remember there being like, it's very much a two steps forward, five steps back <laughs> kind of relationship. Right. <laughs> and, and that's how it should be because this is just a grown-up traumatized child trying to help raise a, a an actual child well steph your yes. mom tell me uh is parenting easy is there an instruction manual you can follow holy shit <laughs> there's a lot of voices out there that think they know and they will tell you never um like it's all i mean you just have to pick what works for you, but the only way you find what works for you is by finding what doesn't work for you and not doing that again. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's complicated and it gets, it never stops being complicated. It's complicated when they're newborns. It's complicated when they start walking. It's complicated when they're fucking smelly teenagers with opinions. It's always complicated. Parenting's rough. Uh, it is not for the faint of heart. And so, you know, I, I, feel, I feel for Kanan uh, on this one. Hera is doing fine. She's she's a perfect, wonderful angel, and she's doing great. Kanan, Kanan's struggling with it. Uh, very quick sidebar, because you said smelly. <clears throat> European men. Oh, my God. Deodorant's still very cool. You should really try it out. <laughs> I don't know why you all think you don't need to need it. You really do. Even the even your uh, for those of y'all that were straight, your girlfriends and whatnot were like holding their nose from time to time when the wind changed. Like deodorant, it's in. I've been to your grocery wow. stores; it's there. It exists. It it's exists, a thing, huh? Yeah. Anyway, nice. ew. Yeah. Ew. Unwashed man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, <clears throat> meanwhile, back on the ghost. Uh, yay! They make it back. Hooray! They're alive. Uh, yeah, and everybody's happy to see them. Ezra's really shook. Like yeah. he's he's definitely like turtled in on himself. You yeah, know? he's he, all all of his body language is no talk no talk to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they show up. I love this part so much because it's like Hera. I have something very traumatic to tell you, and Kanan sees that she's going to tell him something really important, and he's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Ezra needs to be by himself, and also I need to talk to you because. Right. I'm in, we're, we have a problem. Yeah, because they need to go have the parent talk. And this yeah. is super accurate. I feel like Greg Wiseman is a, is a dad. Yeah, is it has a to be, has to be. Um, 
because this is super accurate. If something big goes down with your teenager, uh, you need to let them have some time alone to process it. And, but you do need to have a parent meeting and be like, here's exactly what happened. We need to compare notes. We need to, I, I need to consult with you. You need to maybe give me a hug because that was rough. And also, uh, we need to get on the same page for how to proceed. Exactly. And that's because Canaan and Hera are the best space parents. Amen. Amazing. Amazing. So, uh, Ezra is, I think he's in the tail gun or is it the nose gun? He's in one of the gun turrets. He's in one of the gun. I think he's in the tail gun. He's just sitting there sort of staring out into the void of space, um, having his alone time. And Sabine comes in and Sabine is absolutely the one who should be coming to talk to him. Yeah. Because she, she's, you know, it's a peer level thing. Because if an adult comes in, that's a whole level of baggage. But if it's Sabine, okay. And she comes in and she's like, hey, so it's been a rough couple of days, huh? Because <laughs> by the way, all of this went down in like two days. If that. I think it's less time if than that. If that. Yeah. This is, is this may have all been in the same night. It's insane. Uh, and so she has the hollow disc that he pulled out of the thing in the basement of his old house. And she cleaned it up and she found something on it and she shows it to him. And it's a picture of little baby Ezra with his parents. And she says to him, Happy birthday, Ezra Bridger. Because it's the same day. I think it's the same day. Right. Yeah, it is the same day because it's his birthday. (laughs) Somebody finally remembered that at the end of all this trauma and, and fear that has happened all day, that it's Ezra's birthday. And she gave him, this is the first birthday present he's gotten in eight years. Yeah. And it's the most thoughtful, sweetest present. And I just, my whole heart. And uh, a memory clicked in in my head when I saw that picture. Mm -hmm. I remember the very last time I went to Disneyland before COVID. Mm -hmm. Somebody had that picture on a t-shirt. Oh. And I was like all emotional about it because I was like, I think that was also the first time I went on Rise of the Resistance. And so I was like a emotional wreck after. You you were already like primed to yeah, explode I, into and, emotion. And I, yeah. And I saw that picture and I was like, oh my God, where is that t-shirt? Oh, I made it. Oh, God damn. Uh. Well, 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 let me know where and I'll, I'll, I'll print out the t-shirt. I'll wear it to Disneyland next week because that's going to happen, right? <laughs> uh. <laughs> you fool. Yeah. You fool. <laughs> No, the pandemic had other ideas. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's the end of the episode. That's um, it. That's the end of the, the end of this little two episode arc that we had here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on this episode? Uh, I, I said it earlier in the show. This is like, this is the episode where Rebels really shows its true power. And mm. good thing it gets easier from here. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like this was, this was Rebels like taking the cute cartoony gloves off. Yeah. And saying, here's what we're doing. And uh, if y'all hang with us, I, I promise you can handle it. We're like... And they lied. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. I feel like this is also the episode where Rebels establishes some trust mm-hmm. uh, with the audience. Because yes, that was rough. And yes, we found out some heartbreaking things about our main protagonist. But everybody's a protagonist here. But we're talking about Ezra specifically. Uh, and we're finding out all these things. But like, also, we're going to get back to the end. And... And say happy birthday. Yeah. Because, and I felt like it was really important to come back to that point because kids watching the show are going to remember that it was his fucking birthday and nobody got him a cake or anything. Yeah, you're right. So so that was an important, you know, loop to close uh, in this particular arc. I don't, I just feel like this was the show going, we're going to take you to some emotional places, but I promise you, 
We're, we're, we're there with you. Just like when Kanan was telling Ezra, yeah, you're going to go to this dangerous fucking planet full of monsters. I'm going to be right beside you. So this is the show saying, yeah, we're going to go through some, some dangerous shit emotionally uh, on the show, but we're right here with you. It's okay. And I think that is part of why the show is so loved. Oh, yeah. Because it, it cares about the emotional impact on its audience. And you can't say that about everyone who's created a Star War. Nope. Anyway, uh, do you have anything else for Rebels Season 1, Episode 9, Gathering Forces? Nope. Awesome. Okay. So then next time, we will be talking about Star Wars Rebels Season 1, Episode 10, Path of the Jedi. That sounds ominous. That sounds... Fun. It's cool. It's fun. <laughs> I fun. literally do not remember this episode at all. I yeah no I don't remember much at all. I remember like because we did I did watch Rebels but I binged it like at the beginning of the pandemic and like it's not only been time since then it's been like emotional miles since then. Oh yeah because we like, were because we did right because we were doing a wrestling podcast, did our Clone Wars rewatch mm-hmm. and Rebels, and then right when I finished Rebels, you were like, hey, let's do this po- this do this Dark Side Divas theme instead. And I was like, right. okay. And then we went back to Reb- we went back to Clone Wars. So I right. forgot a lot of details. And like not only have I slept since then, uh, but also I've like things have gone down. I'm yeah. in a whole other state. Yeah. I moved to I moved to a whole different state. Shit's happened. So yeah, I don't have perfect recall of the whole rest of the series for people who would like to continue uh to criticize us for not speaking with full nuance for the entire <laughs> series of Rebels while we talk about each individual episode. We're in season one. Calm down. Wait. Be patient. We'll get there. Right. Anyway, um, so then uh I guess that's it and we can outro. Yeah? Let's do it. Sorry, I was drinking okay. water. Okay, well, stop that. Fuck your hydration and focus here, okay? Okay. I don't care about your physical needs. <laughs> See, now you sound like one of my boyfriends. I'm kidding. <laughs> Being friends with me is great. Okay. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate that. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed the music at the top of the episode, uh, you should. It's it's a bop. Uh, you can find the artist who created that for our show. His name is Chorlesy. Uh, you can find him on TikTok and Instagram as at C-H-O-R-L-S-Y. Uh, if you would like to hang out with us in between episodes, you totally can. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Darkside Divas. Uh, and how about you be like the Phantom and attach yourself to our podcast? You can do that by subscribing. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that by subscribing uh, to our show via your favorite podcast platform of choice if you haven't done so already. Also, we have a YouTube channel. Search for Darkside Divas. You can find us there. We will be doing video versions of our show very soon. Mm-hmm. We'll be making some announcements as soon as I'm back from France. Um, and uh, uh, what else? Oh, we have a swag store, redbubble.com forward slash official divas, where you can buy t shirts, mugs, stickers, etc of our logos and the funny shit that we say and then last but certainly not least patreon.com forward slash divas podcast five bucks a month gets you unedited video versions of our shows uh access to our discord where we do a lot of community events that are really really fun and Mm -hmm. sometimes we release special content on there it is true we do all of those things yes cool is that it that's it amazing okay then we will say goodbye bye bye we love you